Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. To be a doer of the word. Now, being a doer of the word is more than just being a doer of, of what is written in here. Because if you think about the Bible, it is, is not just a bunch of instructions saying, get busy, get busy, get out there and do something. No, the, the message of the Bible, one of the messages, is God wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you and I. He could have made robots if he wanted to get the job done. But what he wants is worshipers. What he wants is fellowship. He wants the intimacy between us, because that's really what blesses his heart. Today on Truth in Christ, Pastor Rob walks us through the introduction of the book of James. In this introduction, Pastor Rob explains how we as Christians can get distracted from our relationship with Jesus by everyday tasks. Do we have the ability and the fortitude to sit at the feet of our Lord and enjoy His presence? As believers, we learn early on that God wishes us to have a relationship with Him. However, As we grow in our faith, we learn that the basis of this relationship is formed within our hearts. God is not concerned with how we look or what church we go to. He is concerned with what is in our hearts. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. You know, over the the last several weeks and as I've been praying about where to start, one thing that the Lord put on my heart was to to start in the book of James, and and really it came down to a specific verse in James, where in James chapter 1, verse 22, said, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And I thought about that, and, you know, the, the real foundation of the ministry here has been Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. And thirteen, and, and you know that has been the, the thing that's you know to equip the the you know to equip those in the ministry to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and I just want to encourage you that you know one thing that we can do very easily, and one thing that I find very easy within myself, and I know you're no different, is we can do tasks. We are very adept at getting a task done. If you've got a, a, a mobile phone, you have tasks. You've got calendar things that are beeping you throughout the day. Maybe you've got a checklist of things you've got to do. Well, we can do tasks. We can. You can get a committee together, and you can do a task. You can get anything done. But the one thing, like we were talking about a couple weeks ago, on the 12th of this month, remember I shared about Martha and Mary. And, you know, anybody can be a Martha. It's easier to be a Martha than to be a Mary. Being a Martha requires really nothing but just strength and fortitude. And, you know, you just get the job done. You just get busy. Get busy at it. We can all do that, and it's easy to do that. Some for better for than others. 
but to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear him. To be a doer of the word. Now, being a doer of the word is more than just being a doer of, of what is written in here. Because if you think about the Bible, it is, is not just a bunch of instructions saying, get busy, get busy, get out there and do something. No, the, the message of the Bible, one of the messages, is God wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you and I. He could have made robots if he wanted to get the job done. But what he wants is worshipers. What he wants is fellowship. He wants the intimacy between us, because that's really what blesses his heart, right? And if you look at the Bible, most of it is about heart issues, isn't it? It's not about God harping on us. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You just better get going. No, God's heart has always been, seek me, seek me, and I'll show you. You know, his heart has always been just the one-on-one fellowship. And so, as we begin, James, one of the reasons for getting into that is that is I just I sense that not only our fellowship, but just many fellowships, people in general today are so scattered. We're so busy. And God wants to bring us back to a simplicity, I believe. He wants to bring us back to a simplicity. And I tell you what, it is going to be the hardest thing that I will encounter and you will encounter to be able to slow the train down. When the train is going, the inertia just pushes you along, and you're like that leaf in a stream, and you've got no control. And if you're in the Spirit of God, that's a wonderful thing, because the Spirit of God knows where he's going. But when we, got, when we have tasks and things that are just driving us, and, and we don't stop to think, is this of the Lord? Is my busyness of the Lord? Is the things that I'm doing today, how much of that is fluff? How much of that is, can I just jettison? How much of it can I get rid of and just maintain my focus? Because you know what? You're going to need the focus. I'm going to need the focus. As we get closer and closer to the end, we are going to see people losing their minds. They're already losing their bearings now. Do you ever wonder how our society is even holding itself together with all the stuff that's going on? It's like we're on the verge of a civil war. Is that true? Doesn't it seem that way? Things are becoming more polarized, and I would encourage you not to get caught up in it because it will distract you. It will keep you from the one thing that Jesus wants you to have, and that's just a fellowship with him, a relationship with him. So purpose with all of your heart and all your mind to really think about that because in the coming days, you're going to need the strength to withstand the trials, which we're going to get into hopefully today. Those trials are coming And they're going to get worse. They're going to get more varied. They're going to become difficult. Things are difficult. Life is difficult. If anyone has ever told you anything different, oh, come to Christ, your life is going to be easy, they they don't know what they're talking about. Because I find that true life, the, the real life I've found has been in Christ. And that's really when the journey really began. That's where when life really began is when I gave my heart to Christ. And it hasn't been an easy road because I've been faced with my own sin, my old man, I'm constantly looking at that old man in the mirror. And God, through the process of sanctification, for me and for you as well, he's chipping away at that old man, saying, will you give it up? Will you give up the old man? Will you put on the new man, which is Christ Jesus? Will you put off all those things, the fornication, the adultery? And you may have never done the act, but in your thought life, what is your thought life like? You know, and these things are really pertinent for today because that is what our advertising, our media, everything is all about. You can't even sell a car without being inundated by innuendo, sexual innuendo. 
Really? I, I want to buy a car. That's what I want. I want to go buy a car. Why does the lady in the black dress, why does she, the red, why, why does that have anything to do with it? You know, why does she got to be promoting the car? You know, I would rather <laughs> much have that guy, you know, with the, uh, what, Urkel, you know, with the pants that come up to here, you know, the, you know, the tooth blacked out and his glasses. You know, I'd rather have that guy and I'd be like, thank God. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That's why you're laughing. But that's one of the reasons why um, the book of James is so fitting for it. Because in chapter 1, it talks about profiting from trials. It talks about trials and, and um, being doers of the word. In chapter 2, it's, it speaks of our personal favoritism that we have toward others. How we look at others, their money, their prestige, their status, and we tend to elevate them. And then finally, in verse 14 in chapter 2, the faith without works, being dead. Chapter 3, the untamable tongue. <laughs> Our tongue is so wicked, isn't it? And you know, if you're on social media for any length of time, you realize how wicked the tongue really is because people don't hold back there. They may hold back when you're face-to-face, but for some reason we have this funny amnesia when we get on our devices and we're alone somewhere. We can just spout off whatever we think, whatever we feel, and we think that there's no ramifications for that. But there is because God sees all of that. And employers look at that. If you're a young person and you want to get into a job, guess what? Your employer is going to be looking at your Facebook page. He's going to be looking at your Twitter account. He's going to find out, who am I really hiring? Who am I really hiring? I purpose with everything in my heart. If I ever use those things, and I don't use them that much, but when I do, I want to be positive and be, in, uh, I hate to sound like Caleb, but I mean uh, uh, positive and encouraging. Um, <laughs> no, I do. I mean, you, you can use it as a tool for good. And I would encourage you to do that. Anything you say on that thing, make sure that it's uplifting others, uplifting the name of Christ, pointing people to Jesus, being encouraging. Resist the, 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 the heart to retaliate and to chime in on the evils of our day. It'll distract you and it'll just ruin your witness. So why not be the one to show light? So chapter 3 talks about this untamable tongue. And then later on in the chapter about wisdom. Earthly wisdom and devilish wisdom versus heavenly wisdom. And then chapter 4, pride, humility, judging others, boasting about tomorrow. Our world is full of that. That is what today is, boasting of things that we know nothing of. Chapter 5, rich rich oppressors, (laughs) and then patience and perseverance. And so we're going to be looking at chapter 1. But I believe all of these things really point us to the time that we're living in right now. And you know, we need to return to our first love. Because like I said before, and I don't mean to drive this in too hard here, but, you know, we need to go return to our first love. I want to get back to the simplicity in Christ. With all of our technology, with all of our distractions, return to Christ today. And you know, it's more than just being a doer of this word, but the word of God. Where does the word of God dwell? He dwells in us, doesn't he? He dwells within us. And so when the Lord speaks to your heart about something, and it doesn't violate his written word, and you step out in it, you are being a doer of the word. 
And God speaks to those whom he knows. Does he know you? Does he know me? Can he share those intimate things that, he, that are on his heart? Can he share those with me and entrust me? And to know that I'm listening, not just listening with my ears, but listening with the intent of doing, that's what the word means. So this book of James. The book of James is really the, the second book in a series of eight books that we call the general letters or the general epistles. Starts from Hebrews and it goes all the way to Jude. So Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, first, second, third John, into Jude. And they're very Jewish in nature, written to the Jews predominantly. The Jews that were originally in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, the very first Christians were Jewish. And they were scattered as a result of persecution. And so that's the book we're going to look at. And the author. It's kind of interesting. He's James. But in the original language, it's Jacobus, which would be more accurately translated Jacob. That's really what his mother called him, was Jacob. But he's James. He's known as James the Less or James the Just, and he was the brother of Jude, who wrote that letter before the book of Revelation that we're going to read later on. And many believe that this this letter was actually one of the very first written in all the epistles, written somewhere between 45 and 48 A.D. You know, when you think about it, um, you know, James was, he came to the Lord after the resurrection. And so it is it is it is so interesting to see how God would use a man who was so close to Jesus and in, in growing up all, all of those years. And I'm gonna come back to that. But there's been a lot of uh, as far as James' death, we know that he was martyred. Many people say that he was stoned to death, which was the capital punishment of Israel. And some say he was thrown off the pinnacle of the temple. And when he didn't die, there was a fuller there, a man who was a cleaner of clothing and stuff like it, had a club and, and finished him off there at the bottom of the temple as he fell off. We don't really know, but we know one thing for sure. He was martyred. <laughs> he was martyred. You know, and as we look at the, at the book of James, you know, we have many liberal scholars that have, have had a problem with the Bible not only with this book, but you'll notice it also in the book of Genesis and Isaiah and Daniel and James and the book of Revelation. There's always been this attack on the Word of God. In fact, there's been an attack on even the authorship of this, of this letter. We believe it's the half-brother of Jesus, but some believe that actually Joseph had a previous marriage and that somehow, through another relationship, James came about, thus perpetuating this Roman Catholic doctrine of the perpetual virginity of Mary, which means that after Jesus was born, she was a virgin for the rest of her life. But the Bible says something different. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, and I bring this out because we can attack these things even with the word of God, and we can show that these things aren't true. In fact, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, it says that, Joseph did not know her until she, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. 
He didn't know her, which is a, a Hebrew way of saying he didn't have physical intimacy with her. But the obvious idea is that he did afterwards. So Jesus had brothers and sisters. And some have thought that maybe James and others were just cousins of Jesus, and that is possible. And I've wrestled with that looking through the Scripture, but I believe he was the half-brother of Jesus for some reasons. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 19, Paul says, in verse 19, he says, But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And I think Paul would know whether James was a half-brother or a cousin and, and it really doesn't matter whether he was his half-brother or ha- a cousin. It really doesn't matter in the scheme of things. And I'll share why in a minute. But Jesus did have siblings. And what I'd like you to do is just write down these verses, because someone's going to hit you with this, and you can write these things down. And just write them and look them over. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 and 56, it was said, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joses, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all, all here with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And so we, we read of that. And then in Mark chapter 3, verse 31. Remember a time when Jesus was ministering and his mother and his brothers were outside wanting to speak with him. And it says, When his brothers and his mothers came and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And they thought he had lost his mind, but his mother and his brothers. So he had at least four other brothers and at least two other sisters in addition to himself. In Mark chapter 6, verse 3, you can write this down. It says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joses, Judas, or Judah, or Jude, and Simon, are not his sisters here with us? And so they were offended at him. Finally, Mark chapter 15, you can read that too. Check that out. And also compare that with John chapter 19. We're not going to go into this right now, but John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. And so we see very clearly in Scripture that Jesus had brothers and he had sisters, and and that really takes that doctrine completely out of the way. So we know, we have pretty good confidence that James is who he says he was. And why does that make a difference? For this reason, when my brother and I were growing up, my brother Rich, as we grew up together, he could tell you my life. And if I had the gall, (laughs) the chutzpah, to say, I'm the son of God. I'm God in the flesh. My brother would be able to look at me and go, no, you're really not. And here's why. You set a pine forest on fire, so you're a sinner. And he would go through and he would itemize all these things that I've done wrong because Jesus was pure. He was without sin. Tempted in every way as we are, but without sin. My brother would be able to tell me whether that was true or not. So what credence, what, what truth does it hold when you have somebody like James and, and Jude who grew up with Jesus? They would be the first ones to say, and in fact, all the time that Jesus was alive, his brothers didn't believe in him. And it says that in John chapter 7, verse 5. Let me just read it to you. For even his brothers did not believe in him. And this was early in the ministry of Jesus. They didn't believe in him. The claims that he was making until the death and the resurrection 
then they became believers. Because when that happened, and they saw all the things that happened, they saw the scriptures that were fulfilled, the Old Testament prophecies, and they started to think about, you know what? As we examine and think back in our history, you know, I never saw him once be angry. I never saw him once strike something in anger. I never saw him talk back to mom and dad. Mary and Joseph never saw him do a wrong thing. So now, when these two men who have given their life for this one who claims to be the son of God, I would say we better listen to them, right? We better listen because if Jesus is who he said he is, then he, we owe him our whole lives, 100%. Not 30%, but 100%. Because of what he has done. Does that encourage your heart? It encourages me. Because these aren't just outside witnesses. These are people who grew up with them. And you know what? I thank the Lord that he put this in the scripture for us. That he had authors like James and Jude and John who was a cousin of Jesus, the Apostle John, John the Baptist, another cousin of Jesus. All of these men died for their faith in Christ. And they would know better than anyone else whether he was the real deal or whether he was just some maniac. Amen? So be encouraged that the the Bible you hold in your hand is not just a bunch of stories. It drives me crazy when I hear people talk about the Bible, even Jonah. Oh, that's a cute children's story. Well, Jesus didn't think it was just a children's story. He spoke, of, he spoke of Jonah. He spoke of Job as real people because they really were. These were real events that happened in history. It's not just some made-up story to, sound, to make the kids laugh in, in Sunday school. These are real things. Be encouraged in your faith in that. Hold it because everything around you is trying to strip you of that truth, of that, that witness in your heart that you can count on Christ. You can count on his word. The psalm says, I have put my word above all my name, God says. He's put his word above all his name. And if his name is Jehovah, and he puts this above, and he's also put Jesus above, right? He's exalted him. But the word of God, he has put above all his name. Can you trust it then? I think we can. Let's look at it. James. It says, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if I were James, I would have started it off, I'm the Lord's brother. I'm the Lord's half-brother, so you'd better listen. But James, already at this time, we know that he was part of the council, the very first council they had in Jerusalem. You can read about it in Acts chapter 15. And James becomes, after the resurrection of Jesus, he becomes radically saved, and eventually he becomes the head of the church in Jerusalem. And so he was very well known by this time, so he didn't need to give some kind of other title to himself to make you believe. He said, James, a bondservant, a doulos. A doulos is one of those people, and you've heard this so much, but it's so touching. A slave in a household back at those times. It wasn't a bad thing. If I had a debt to pay and I couldn't pay you, I'd work for you. And if I didn't have any, any I didn't have anything. And after I paid off my debt, if I was like, you know what, you've treated me so nice and you've treated me and my family so well, I don't want to leave. I want to continue doing what I'm doing. They would take you to the, the doorpost and they would run an awl or a, a metal thing through your ear. And that would be significant because you're basically saying, I'm going to be a doulos. I'm going to be a servant for life. And that's really what James is calling himself. He's saying, I grew up with Jesus. I didn't believe him in the beginning, but now I will give my life for him. 
And as, as, he, as they threw him off the temple, and as he was writhing there in pain, and that club came down on his... Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, this has been Truth in Christ.